Thank you for listening to the New Life Church podcast. If you need any information about our church or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at newlifekingman.com. Good, amen. Praise God. So this morning, I want to take a little bit of time, and, and hopefully we'll get through this real quick, but uh, uh, just speak to you about something. I told the 830 service that unintentionally this is kind of becoming the uh, fifth sermon in the series we did last week, but it's not named after that. It, but as I got looking at this and put this together, I began to realize that there is something very powerful that connects to what we talked about. If you remember, uh, we just got done doing a series uh, entitled Encouraging Yourself in the Lord, and we spent some time looking at some very spiritual and practical ways to do that, that during the, the difficult seasons of our life, those moments, whether they are uh, small moments or whether they are catastrophic moments, whatever they may be, there are principles and there are places of faith that we can step into uh, in our Christian walk that in fact not only encourages us, but it will protect us and keep us and empower us through the uh, season that we're living in, that we can actually go through a season with victory and not just survival. Can you say amen? We can thrive rather than survive, amen? And that somewhere along the line, God has given us this through His Word, through connection with Him. And so this morning, I want to take just a little bit of time and, and kind of put the capstone on this, even though it was unintentionally not the, the uh, fifth sermon in the series. And there is a scripture in the book of Psalms that has, for years, captured my attention. This has been something that that has uh, spoke to me on many levels. It's something that challenges me, that um, every time I read it, every time I think about it, it grips me fresh every time. And it's found in Psalms 42, verses 1 through 2. It says, as a deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Now, I know that in this, this is a description of David's passion. It's his heart for God, but there's something in this. I, I don't know about you, but I'm hungry for God. Can you say amen? I, and, and when I say hungry for God, I'm not, I'm not talking about that, that we just have um, religious activity going on or, or that somehow we have the, you know, the quaint uh, uh, little interaction of, of, of Christianity that we're so accustomed to. I'm wanting God. I want Him. I want Him to show up in my life. I, I want His intensity. I want His glory. I, 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 I like those moments when I can't talk. Amen. When uh, those moments when the glory, the weight of God begins to rest upon me in those moments where, where there's nothing you can do. We call those moments encounters with God. I want to have an encounter, and I don't want just one. Can you say amen? I don't want one and then wait another five years and have another one or another 10 years. I, I want to encounter Him in my daily life. I want to walk with Him. I want to know Him. I, I want to experience Him. Can you say amen? I've longed. I, I'm hungry for a deeper and more real walk with God. You know, church, what I want is I don't want to be, I often use this analogy, I don't want to be a, 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 a thermometer. I want to be a thermostat. I, I don't want to react to my surroundings. I want to change 
my surroundings. Can you say amen? I, I'm, I'm tired of coming up to, to what seems like impossible situations only to have them push me back. I want to push them back. Can you say amen? The, the Bible assures us in Luke chapter 1 verse 37 that nothing shall be impossible for our God. Can you say amen? And that's what I want. I want to experience that level. I, I want to see God move. I want more than just information about God. Now, I will say, as we get into this sermon, there's a couple ways that you can take this sermon. You can take it in a, in a point of theology. You could go, well, that's a lot of great info. That's what theology is. It's, it's information about God. It's the theology. It's the study of God. And we could take it like that, or what we can do is embrace the truth about who our God is so that we can understand that we can experience His character, that we can walk in His goodness, that we can know Him, not just know about Him, can you say amen, that we can experience Him. We're living in times, church, right now where we need Him. We need Him to move. The, we, we are rapidly running to a place where there is not going to be human answers we are not going to have, you know, medical doctors and scientists and politicians and lawyers and, and all of that. While they are good and gifted, they're not going to have an answer. It's the answer is going to be found in Jesus. It's going to be found in who He is and what He can do. And it's incumbent upon us as the church not to just possess info, but to know Him, to experience to have encounters with Him, to know Him. Can you say amen? amen. To, to have that experience with God. Can you say amen this morning? See, I, I want to walk with Him. I want to talk with Him. I want to feel His presence. How about you? I want to, I want, and I, I, you know, we oftentimes, one of the things that we do in life is we pray that God would visit us, that we would have a visitation I'm not content with a visitation. I want him to make a habitation. Amen. I want him to dwell with me. I, I, and I, you know what, church, I, I'm at a point, and, and this is, I, I've noticed this in growing and, and, and getting a little bit older. I'm at a point where, you know, there's some things I just don't care about anymore. You know, there was things that even five years ago I thought were real important in my life, and I thought, you know, I had to have that, or I needed this, or, you know, I needed to experience this. And, I, you know, at the end of the day, I just don't care. It just, it just doesn't carry the weight for me of satisfaction anymore. I'm not saying those things are bad. I'm not saying those things are not good. It's just that there's so much more in Him. Can you say amen? And I don't want anything, nothing to get in my way of Him. I want nothing to separate me from Him. I want nothing to pull me aside. And let me tell you something, church. The devil will do his best to assure you. Here's, I, gosh, okay, we're off the notes, so that's where we're going now. Okay, this is it. So, so here's the thing. The devil, here's what the devil does. He has a strategy. Understand that he is a strategist, and he's been at it for a while. Can you say Amen. And so he's pretty good at it. Now, this is not to give glory to the devil because he's still a liar and he is still defeated. But listen to me, okay? Listen to what I'm saying. Is that he will paint you a picture. Listen, he will paint you a picture that seems very, very real. 
It will seem like this is what I need. It will feel like it's coming from you. Because look at your thoughts are not always your thoughts. Not every thought you think is God or the devil or you. That's why we have to have discernment. That's why he says in Hebrews chapter 5, the last verse, that those that have maturity are defined by the practice and the use of discernment. That ability to discern is the ability to look at what I am presently going through, what I'm presently feeling. Is it God? Is it me? Or is it the devil? Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so when we can do that, because look at there are times in my life when I get really angry, and I, I know that's hard for you to understand. That's, you look at me and you think, you know, you're just the little Pillsbury Doughboy, and how can, you know, something, hee, 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 you get, how can you ever be, how, how can you be anything but just a good guy? Well, there's times that I just, I want a machine gun on the front of my car so that I could shoot everyone in front of me. That is not God. It could be me, and it can very much be the devil. Because sometimes, me and the devil like partnering together. Okay, so now that we've established that. So, somewhere along the line, what we've got to do is, in this, look, in the pursuit of knowing him, I now get to know who I am, and then anything that is not like him is the devil. So what it does is by knowing him, it exposes him. Okay, Somebody's getting it today because this is fresh off the press right here. This is not 830 service. So those of you in 830, if you're watching right now, you didn't get this. Apparently you didn't need it. But the reality is today is that God wants us to know Him because there's protection in knowing Him. There's protection in it. It keeps us. See, see, when we know Him, when we know Him, we can go through crises like we are right now. We could go through these moments that seem very difficult, and we can be calm because we know that our God is at work for us. And when we go through personal crisis, like getting angry or, you know, I was meditating on this the other day. I was thinking about, and it's probably going to become a sermon series, so I'll give you a little preemptive thing. I was thinking about this. Do you know what insecurity is? Insecurity is when you don't know who you are. So when you don't know who you are, you generally feel unsafe because it feels insecure. But when you know him, you get to see you. You become, you become aware of who you are in Him. That brings that security. So when all of a sudden somebody gets promoted above you, you're rejoiced for them because you know God hasn't forgotten you. God don't have favorites. God's not up in heaven going one, two, one, two, one, two, one, two. All the two, twos get blessed, all the ones. Well, too bad for you. That's not God. God's a good father. And as a good father, He takes care of me. And he takes care of you. And maybe today, it's your turn to be blessed. And I know, because I know him, tomorrow will be my turn to be blessed. 
Can you say amen? And so I can relax. I don't have to wonder, you know, is God up in heaven mad at me? Or when I make a mistake, if I stumble over my flesh. Has anybody, don't raise your hand, stumbled over your flesh? Has anybody ever done that? Oh, I do all the time. I stumble over my flesh. Has anybody ever said something? Has anybody ever said something you shouldn't have? Don't raise your hand. I know we all, we probably today said something. But do you know your Father in heaven loves you? Do you know he cares about you? Have you ever done anything that you shouldn't have done? He loves you. Let me tell you, when you know him, you can relax a little bit. And then there's this awesome thing. When you know him, when you know him, it inspires you to a better you. What it does is it begins to build in you, and it says, I want to be like him. I want to live like him. I want to think like him. I want to act like him. Can you say amen to that? So this morning, to get back on track, I want you to look at our text. It says this. In John 17, verses 6 through 26, or 6 and verse 26, not through it, just those two verses. It says Jesus is praying, and he says this. He says, I have manifested your name to the men whom you've given me out of the world. They they were yours, you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Then he goes to verse 26, and he says, I have declared to them your name, and will declare it, and the love with which you loved me may be in them, and I in them. Now, here's Jesus. He's praying, and he says to the Father, he says, I have manifested, I have demonstrated in life, in example, so that they experienced it, your name. Your name is a demonstration of your character. Your name declares your promise, it declares who you are to me. Can you say amen? That's why it's so important that we know his name. That's why we've got to refuse to let his name simply be some sort of tag that he wears around his neck. See, a lot of times what we do is we, we, we take names and, and we, we, we devalue them, but names have lots of power. Names declare something. Names, I, can, I guarantee you there are people in this room I could say a name and it would change the atmosphere of your life just by saying the name. Either because of something good that happened or because of something bad. I'm always amazed at how parents name their children. I, I know when I named my kids, I thought of easy names so I could remember them. Jason, Andy, Amy. That was it. It was... Like, I get that, you know, and at first, you know, here, I'll give you a secret. At first, Andy was going to be named Dustin. I know, but there's a hush. It's like, oh, dear God, why would we call him Dustin? I don't know, because I didn't want to call him. I knew everybody, it would degenerate into Dusty. And when I looked at Andy, I, I looked at him, and I goes, that's not Dusty. That's not Dusty, not even a little bit Dusty. He's not Dusty at all. There's no dust on him. He's brand new. And so it's Andrew. Andrew. And, and we, we named him. And, and Jason. And, you know, and, and, and so when you name people, I, what, what were we going to name Amy? Jennifer. Well, you can't name a girl Jennifer. Why? Because somehow, some way in society, everybody's had a problem with a Jennifer. 
I don't know why that is. On every TV show, every TV show, there's a Jennifer, and she's mean. But if you're Jennifer here, I'm certain that's not you. But some, somewhere along the line, names mean something. They mean something. Then I look at my grandchildren, and I, you know, at first, I, I'll, I'll be honest with you. At first, when my kids started naming their grandkids, I, or my grandkids, I'm like, what are you guys thinking, Oliver? Do you know, uh, Oliver, the only Oliver I knew was Oliver Wendell Holmes. He didn't, didn't he live in the 1800s or something? And didn't, didn't he, wasn't he the guy that wrote Sherlock Holmes, or am I just showing my ignorance? I don't know who he was, but anyway, he, I, who is Oliver? But now I love Oliver. And then when Titus came along, Titus, wasn't he a disciple of Paul? I mean, I don't, but now when I look at these kids, that's Oliver, that's Titus, that's Owen. I mean, there's something about it. There's something in a name that grabs your attention. And so it is with God. And listen, the Bible says this in the book of Daniel. It says this, talking about the people of God. It says, when the people of God know Him, when they know their God, they will be strong and they will do exploits. That's why this is powerful. Is because when we know Him, His name is not just a badge that He wears, but it is a declaration. It is a prophetic declaration of who He is in your life. So think about it for a moment. You know, when I, how does this work out practically? I pray the names of God. So when I go into the prayer room, I always start my prayers. I first start in worship, and then I move into the names of God, and I start praying. I'll I'll go, you know what? You are El Shaddai. You are the Almighty One, the All-Sufficient One. There's none like you in all the universe. You are high and lifted up. Your train fills the temple. You are good to, to, to an nth degree. You do exceedingly abundantly above all that I can think or ask. You, There is nothing that is too difficult because you are El Shaddai. Can you say amen? And I begin to pray that. Then I move into you are Jehovah Jireh. You are the Lord my provider. You are the wellspring of life. You are the headwaters. Everything that I need comes from you and flows from you. There is nothing that I don't need. There is nothing that I don't have that did not come from you. You are my source. Then I, you are Jehovah Rapha. You are the Lord, my healer. You heal me from all my diseases and all my sicknesses. You cause me to walk in health and in life. You are not only the author of divine healing. You are the author of divine health. You are the author of divine life. Your name declares who you are to me. You are Jehovah Shama, you are the God that is there. You never leave me or forsake me, but you stay with me. You stick closer than a brother. There is never a time when I am out of your thought. You are aware of every detail of my life, the smallest detail that I'm not even aware of. You are involved in. You are wrapped up in the details of my life because you are Jehovah Shama. You are Jehovah Shalom. You are the Lord God, my peace. You are the antidote to chaos. You are the one that stands in the storm and says, peace, be still. You are the one that can sleep through a storm because you are a God of peace. You are wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and there is nothing too difficult for you. You are Jehovah Sidkenu. You are the Lord God, my righteousness. You make me righteous, and now righteousness is the platform from which I live. I can be righteous because you are righteous. You took 
took my life and you gave me your life. I got what you deserved and you got what I deserved and now I'm righteous before you. I'm in right standing because you are Jehovah Sidkadu. You are Jehovah M. Kadesh. You are my sanctification. You set me apart. You make me holy before a holy God. You are Jehovah Roe. You are the Lord God, my shepherd. I shall not want. I shall not be in need. I shall not decline. I shall not go backwards, but I will have everything. You are Jehovah Nisi. You are the banner that flies high above my head, declaring that the king is in residence. You declare that victory has been won. You are my God. You are my God. Amen. And when I pray that, that begins to change me. Church, here's why things, if things aren't working in your life and you're wondering, where can I get some of this? It's because you're just simply not stepping into it. Somewhere, what you got to do, look at, there came a time in Peter's life when Jesus was walking on the water. They are freaked out. They think it's a ghost. They think Jesus is a ghost. Finally, he cries out to him and says, don't be afraid. He would have passed them by, but they cry out, and he said, don't be afraid, it's I. And Peter needed proof, and he says, if it's really you, then bid me to come to you. And Peter had to, Jesus said, come on, and he got out of the boat. Church, too many of us are sitting in the boat of our own trouble. And Jesus said, look it, it's safer on top of the water in the midst of the storm than to be in the the torment of your own boat. Are you catching that? That's what happens when we know him. Church, we are being convinced by a lying devil that things are not going to go well. We are being convinced by a lying devil that we're failures. You cannot be a failure when God is your God. Are you hearing me? When you are a child of God, you cannot be a failure. You say, why? Because it ain't done yet. The only way you can fail is to quit. Church, I'm telling you, when you know God, it will change your life. When you know him. And you say, well, how do I get to know him? You, it's just like how you got to know everyone else in your life. You have to be deliberate. You have to be. We all know those people that tend to be wallflowers, don't we? What is it? Because somewhere in their life they believe that they're just not good enough or they don't have any value. And so they buy into the lie and they hang out, don't they? They hang out in the background tormented, going, why ain't this for me? And the only, only thing that separates them from the joy that everybody else is experiencing is they just got to take a step forward. Church, what we're doing is we're staying in the boat. We're hanging out there in the place. It's at least familiar. It's at least familiar. I, I know what to expect. You know, I know it's torment, but at least I know what to expect. Well, I'm done with the torment, church. I'm done with that. I'm done. Now, I'll be honest with you. I'm wrestling. I'm wrestling just like Jacob wrestled. How many remember Jacob? Remember, he got, in that wrestling match, he got his name changed. <laughs> and he walked away a little bit different because, see, when you wrestle it through, it will change you. And it will be obvious to everyone else. When Jacob walked, he walked with a limp, and I'm certain everybody says, hey, what's up with you? What's up with your leg? And I'm certain he said, well, one night, God showed up in my life, and I determined not to let him go until he blessed me. 
And this is how he blessed me. He, he, he changed my life. I was Jacob, a surplanter. I was a manipulator. I was a con artist. All I could do was lie. But I wrestled with the Lord that night. And you know what's amazing? Here's what's amazing. Find the scripture. Holy cow. I don't have it. He said, I do, it's in there, I just can't find it. When he's wrestling with the Lord, he said this. He said, God, tell me who you are. I want to know your name. You changed my name. Now I want to know you. And that encounter, church, that encounter over names, we have now have the nation of Israel. Do you catch that? This wasn't, God wasn't messing around. And church, he was no more special than you are. God ain't messing around with you either. There's some of you in this place, you have a genuine God-given call on your life. And you know it. But you're still messing around in the boat. And I understand, I've messed around for a long time in the boat. I'm getting out. I would rather be I would rather be dodging waves with Jesus than bailing water out of the boat. See, that's when we get to know him. We get to know him through his name. Are you hearing what I'm saying? This changes everything. This is a game changer. Church, don't don't for a minute settle for less than. Don't for a minute just go, you know, That's for the special people. You are a special person. Are you hearing me? Listen to this. Proverbs 18.10 says this, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. You got to ask yourself, what does that mean? That's got to be more than just a metaphor. In the book of Psalms, the writers, what they would do is they would use everyday imagery to communicate revelation and to convey real truth. So, see, a strong tower was considered under the ancient system of warfare to be a place of security from all harm. Listen, if you were living in the time of David, and you were working out in the field, and, and, and you were tending the crops, herding the sheep, and you were going about your business, when in the distance you would hear the sound of horses and chariots moving fast towards you, you, would, you could see the dust cloud in the air, and you knew that it meant only one thing, that an invading army was coming, and they don't take prisoners, and they show no mercy. So you would gather what you could, and you would run with your family to the strong tower, to the refuge, to the fortress of safety. That's what you do. That is the picture of this. This is what this is. Now, I know it's, it's, it's kind of like, what does that mean? What does that mean for us today? Because obviously we're not living in David's time. We're not living when chariots and horses are charging after us. What does it mean to run into the safety of the name of the Lord. So let's just kind of let's, let's bring this into 20th century or 21st century. So 2020, 21, okay? So depending, on, I'm going to use something a little weird. So, uh, so let's, let's just say we're in the zombie apocalypse. Is that okay? Can we do that? So now depending on what kind of zombies are your favorite, like World War Z where they can climb on each other and get you, or if you're the Walking Dead type, or for you that are older, because there's older folks, you know, the Night of the Living Dead. You remember, zombies been around for a long time. 
So let's say we're in a zombie apocalypse. And they're coming after us. And they're coming. We don't know what to do. So what we do is we, we're, here we are, we, we're at a crossroads. On one side is a garage filled with all kinds of sharp instant implements. That's every horror, every horror story, isn't it? Why do they always run to the garage with all like the, the machinery that will cut you in half? Why is that? But over here is a fortress. And in that fortress, you're safe. You're safe. Because see, in the back in the day, those fortresses were filled with weapons and ammunition. Those, those fortresses were filled with provision, food and water that could last for a long, long time. That's the name of the Lord. See, when you run into the name of the Lord, whether it's you're fighting doubt and unbelief or you're fighting depression or you're fighting addiction or you're fighting some sort of torment or hurt or wound or loss or, 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 or whatever you're fighting, you're fighting in your faith, you can run into the name of the Lord. He is El Shaddai. And He's not just El Shaddai. He's my El Shaddai. He's my father, my father in heaven who loves me, who bankrupt heaven to save me is El Shaddai. And I can run into that where there is weapons and ammunition and there is provision and there is strength and there is hope. But will you run there? There's provision of every kind. That's what these strongholds are. This is what Jesus is talking about. This is what David imagined when he penned that psalm. He's saying, look at you can run to this, and it will make you safe. Think of an embassy, if you can, an embassy in a foreign land. Any of you that have traveled overseas, you know the importance of an embassy, because everybody that travels overseas, they're told, you're, you're told at some point, if you find yourself in trouble, get to the embassy. Why? Because the moment you cross the threshold of the embassy, you are on American soil, and you have every right and privilege of an American. Do you get that? The moment you cross the threshold of His name in Revelation, you have every right and privilege as a citizen of the kingdom of God. Not just a citizen. That's citizen is too low of a position. You cross the threshold, and you have the right and privilege as a child of the king. Much different. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Listen to what David wrote. He says in Psalms 9, verse 10, he says, And those who know your name will put their trust in you. For you, Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. Are you hearing that? Why? Because, see, when we know His name, we experience His name. Say, once again, how do I experience His name? You pray it. You're El Shaddai. I pray to El Shaddai, and I remind myself every day who El Shaddai is. Who is Jehovah Jireh Rapha? Who is Jehovah Shalom? Jehovah Shama? All these names, and I pray them. And I know them, and I can put my trust in Him. In Psalm 20, verse 7, it says, Some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we trust 
in the name of the Lord our God. This is not just poetry that he's writing. He's talking about a strategy. See, you can trust in the arm of the flesh. And you might get a little ways, but arm is limited. Horses and chariots are limited. But the name of God is unlimited. Are you hearing me? Psalm 20, verse 1, may the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. May the name of the God of Jacob defend you. Listen to that. Think about that. The name of God defends me. If you ever got accused of a crime and had to go to court, wouldn't you want the very best lawyer you could have? defending you? Well, this verse is saying when you're put into a position where you're vulnerable, God rises up because of His name and defends you. He is your defense. Psalms 44 verse 5 says, though you were pushed down, though we, hang on, through you we push down our enemies through your name we will trample those who rise up against us. Amen. Listen to that. Amen. Jesus said in our text, I have manifested your name. I've demonstrated. I have shown everyone that saw me witnessed your name. I demonstrated who you are, God. That's what I came to do. I came to reveal the Father. I came to show them who you were. But no conversation would be complete if we did not consider the name above every other name. Jason, you can come if you want. The name of Jesus this morning stands alone. Every other name given to God in the Old Testament is wrapped up in the name Jesus. I remember when I was a small child, I, I was probably four, three or four, I remember it distinctly. My mom sitting, I remember the house we were in, we were living in Michigan on a street called Gilbert Street, right next to my school that was called Merrill Park Elementary. It's where I went to kindergarten. I went to kindergarten when I was four. And I remember my mom talking to me one day because somewhere along the line there was a bully in our neighborhood and he stole my bike. He did. My mom went down there, told his mom what for, and got my bike back. But you know what? Somewhere along the line, I remember having a conversation, and I remember being, I remember being you know, upset and afraid, and my mom said to me, she said, John, any time you get into a situation like that where you're afraid and you don't know what to do, all you have to do is say Jesus. Just say Jesus. She was convinced that the name Jesus was, in fact, above every other name. That everything that God is was wrapped up in the name Jesus. And that when we invoked the name of Jesus, when we called upon the name of Jesus, that all of heaven would stand at attention, ready to defend, to do what was necessary for the child of God. I've prayed the name of Jesus over thunderstorms. I've prayed the name of Jesus in doctor's offices. I've, I've, said, I've looked at my checkbook and yelled the name of Jesus at it. 
I have stood behind this pulpit with this room empty and I've yelled at every chair the name Jesus. <laughs> you go, well, you're nuts. Okay. I don't care. I've stood out in the parking lot looking at this building and said, Jesus. 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 I've looked in the mirror and pointed my finger at myself and said, Jesus. Jesus. The Bible says in Isaiah, I believe it's chapter 9, verse 6, I believe. It says he is, his name is Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. In, in Matthew, it tells us the story of Mary and Joseph when they were told about Jesus. And the angel came to Joseph and says, you'll name him Emmanuel, for he is God with us. His name declares who he is to us. His name is a revelation of his intention towards us. The Bible says this in Philippians chapter 2, verse 9. Listen to this. Wherefore God also having, hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. Listen, listen, there's a revelation in this. That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. Listen, of the things in heaven, the things in earth, and the things under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Every name ever spoken submits to the name Jesus. No other name will save. No other name will heal. No other name will deliver. No other name will protect or forgive or make, stre make strong or give strength to us or make us safe. It's in the name of Jesus. Are you hearing me? In the book of Acts, it tells us that Jesus is the cornerstone that was rejected. But then... It says, there is no salvation in any other. For there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. His name is absolute. His name is absolute. And church, what I'm telling you today is that there's going to be difficult days. There's going to be moments when the devil lies and tries to deceive, and he's going to paint pictures that make so much sense. But they're lies. If they don't fit a name for God, if they create fear and torment, or they pull you away from him, if they, if they aggravate or, or frustrate then it's not God. You say, well, what if God convicts me? There is a big difference between conviction and all of that. Conviction is like a, a surgeon's scalpel. When God comes to convict, he will say, you know what? I love you. He'll look at Jim and he'll say, Jim, I love you. You're my son. But this part of your life right here, this, this part, we got to deal with that, Jim. And I'm going to help you. I just need you to be willing to let me do what I need to do. That's conviction. The devil comes and says, Jim, you're horrible. You're an idiot. You're no good. 
You're rotten. You're a failure. That's condemnation. You better get it right or you're going to get left. That's condemnation. That is not God. Are you hearing me? Jesus broke his heart. He, 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 he cries. He weeps. He's not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. What about these evil people? He weeps over them. Why? Because they're deceived. Church, he's not, a, he's not condemnation. Never. He loves you. Do you know why? He loves you because he can see what he originally created. And he sees through the blood. He is not in heaven mad. The last time God got upset, it really wasn't good for the world. He don't react that way. He loves. But he's a good father. Are you hearing that? And it's his name that's our refuge. So let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you. God, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you, Jesus, that you are with us today. We love you and we praise you. We glorify your name. We thank you that you have given us this revelation of who you are through your name. Remind us, Father, as we go through this next week and months and years that your name is our refuge, that, Lord, as we pray that name and become more and more aware and have more and more knowledge of your name, God, that it would be a greater and greater protection, that, Lord, that it would literally deliver us and set us free. I thank you, God, for your goodness. I thank you, God, for your grace. And I pray for everyone that's here and that's watching online, Lord, that your hand would be upon them. Lord, that that as we take time this week to be thankful for what you're doing, God, that we would feel your presence and experience you. And Father, we give you all the glory and all the honor for it. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Praise God, you could stand to your feet. We're gonna release you today. Happy Thanksgiving. Just remember this week, take some time to to be thankful for what we have. Can you say? Thank you for listening to the New Life Kingman podcast. We can't wait to see you next week.